Good morning. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we invite you to be in this place. We ask that you would speak to us uh, today. God, I pray that you will uh, do something big in our lives, that you will do something big through our lives. And uh, we need you, God. You are the hope of, of, of humanity, of generations. You are the hope of ranger, and we praise you uh, for who you are. And uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen. Um, so last week we talked about uh, a big event that happened in the Old Testament, and there was, there was sort of a competition between Elijah and the prophets of Baal, and uh, we know that uh, there were two bulls that were offered up, and essentially it went like this, hey, I'm going to offer a bull as a sacrifice, you offer a bull as a sacrifice, and we'll see which one uh, God accepts. And we know this is a, a sin offering. We'll see whose sins God is going to cover, right? And uh, as Elijah builds his altar, he builds it out of 12 stones. So you know that uh, 12 stones, by the way, one of my favorite rock bands of all times. Uh, you know that uh, the 12 stones represented the 12 tribes of Israel. And so this was, this, this was representative of the sin offering or the accepting of the sins of Israel. And uh, that's what the stones were for. I want to talk to you a little more about stones because uh, stones are a theme throughout the Bible, okay? And, uh, and stones oftentimes refer to you, uh, which is awesome because my dad used to say I was dumb as a rock. And I was like, ha <laughs> it's biblical, dad. What's up now? So, um, I'm not kidding. So, I use, I use stones a lot uh, and as, as we talk through things, and, and there's, there's a reason for that. I want to take you through some of those reasons as we get started today. Now, as we get started, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to thumb through a little bit of Scripture, and I need you to understand that uh, if you don't understand where those Scriptures are, you don't know like the address in your Bible, you are not alone, okay? Most of us don't. So all the Scripture will be on the screen. No one expected you to be a Bible scholar when you walked in here today. Uh, if you are, please, here's a microphone, okay? Uh, so no one expects you to be uh, an expert. That's why we're here, right? We need a Savior. We need that hope. And so that's, that's why we're here. So don't, no, no pressure. There's no weird quiz today. Invite your friends. Tell them, wear whatever you want, and we'll try really hard not to embarrass you. Now, uh, so as I have all these scriptures, I do, I do want to, to tell you that one of my greatest joys is when uh, you all come to me and say, hey, I heard the story that you were going through uh, last Sunday, and so I went and read the story, because I believe that God will speak to you personally, and you don't need me. I'm just somebody coming here to say, hey, this is what the Lord has for us this week out of here as a whole, but you personally have something to learn from Jesus throughout the week, just you and him. Okay, And so that's one of the most important things you can do. So if you don't have a Bible, they're in the foyer. We would love for you to take one that's free to you. Uh, we have some nicer ones that we sell. Is we don't make a profit off of it. It's literally what we purchase them for is the price that we list. Uh, we're just trying to make it easier uh, for you to connect. If you need large, we actually have super large print Bibles. So uh, it's our joy for that. Your Bible is a, a collection of 66 books. And in that... Uh, it begins with God creating the world, choosing a people, promising that through this people a Messiah would come. That's the Old Testament, or we could call it the Old Law or the Old Covenant. And then, boom, Jesus comes, and this begins the New Testament portion of your Bible, or the New Law or the New Covenant. Okay, so I'm going to be... Um, 
I'm actually going to be in both today, but the theme of the rock, the theme of the building block, or what we call Petra, okay, that's going to be important later, uh, that is, that's going to be all throughout the Bible, and I want to show you a few of those places uh, in the New Testament, because I'm going to talk mostly out of the Old Testament today. Another story, I, you, I, I've been calling this last couple of weeks, things you need to know from stories you don't know. So hopefully it piques your interest and you go and, and read these stories, okay? Matthew twenty one forty two. Jesus said to them, have you never read in the scriptures the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone? This is what the Lord has done and it is wonderful in our eyes. And so God is building something and he is the cornerstone. He is the foundation for what we are to build on, okay? Matthew sixteen eighteen says this, and I also say to you that you are Peter. This was Peter. Uh, his name was Simon. He came to Jesus, and then Jesus renames him right now. He says, and I also say to you that you are Peter, or that would be Petra, okay? And Petra means rock, but it's not just rock, because we have a lot of words for a rock. Like, I, if I throw, it, would you rather me throw a stone or a pebble at you? A pebble, right? Because we have kind of different terminology. Well, so did they. So Petra would be a rock like you would build with. And so he's telling Peter, you are a building stone, and upon you I will build my church. Upon you, what does that mean? Uh, does that mean that Peter's the first pope, and we all have to listen to what Peter said? No, we don't believe that. We believe that Jesus was the head of the body. Uh, and so we reject this whole idea of anyone being in charge of the church. We think that Jesus is in charge of the church, and we are all a Petra. Upon you, I will build my church, okay? So um, you yourselves as living, oh, where was I? Okay, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overpower it. This is you. You are the church. You are the rock. You are the building stones. And the gates of Hades won't overpower you. Okay, 1 Peter 2, 5. As you come to him, a living stone rejected uh, by people but chosen and honored by God, you yourselves as living stones, a spiritual house, are being built to be a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So what I have today is going to make more sense. The order that I have it in is this kind of like, this is a, a wall, but this is a little more of a post-apocalyptic wall, and it's meant to look like that. But understand that Jesus is stone by stone building the church, and so uh, you go here, and then you bring someone, and they go here. And so we are all part of a grand church. And so uh, the weight of the world, the weight of the whole temple that is being built is not on your shoulders, but the job of this stone, that's on your shoulders. We call that the Great Commission. So, um, so this is you. You are the stones. Ephesians 2.19. This is my last one. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints. Why? Because you're all on the same wall. You're a stone in the same wall. And members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him, the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the spirit. There is a temple that is being built stone by stone by stone, and you are those stones. And so uh, as I told y'all, I've told y'all this before. The most judged person in this room is me. Because when the preacher walks in, you're like, oh gosh, what's he going to say now? What did I do wrong now? I was, I was thinking about lunch, okay? And you judged me. 
You just projected all your sins onto me and judged me, okay? And so, as a Christian, uh, I, don't, I don't see, oh, this is a good person, this is a bad person. I see stones that are on the wall and stones that aren't on the wall yet. You know what I'm saying? So, well, what does he think about me? I'm thinking, I need to get this dude, I need to get this chick on the wall. Right? Why? Because you're valuable, because you're a stone. God didn't make stones. He didn't cut the right stone just for it to be setting off of the wall out here in limbo, right? So that's what we're thinking. Now, that's just to prove the point that the theme of the stone goes all throughout the Bible. You are the stone. You are living stones in a holy temple. Now, I want to take you back in time to a story. Let me set it up. Are you ready? God creates the world, chooses people, right? And these people sin against God, and so he allows them to go into slavery uh, in Egypt. And then finally they repent, they cry out to God, God sends Moses. Moses brings them out, okay? He brings them out of slavery into the promised land. And when they're in the promised land, they will follow God, and then they will rebel against God. And they will follow God, and they will rebel against God, and so on and so forth. And finally, they rebelled against God to the point that God said, I'm done. I'm done. And so I make, this is a really oversimplified version of the story, okay? But eventually uh, God says, okay, and he allows them to be taken over. He's like, you want to do it without me? Let's see how that goes. And Assyria comes and wipes out the people and actually takes them captive. They would put people on a stringer. It's kind of interesting. Uh, they would put a, a hook through their lips and just get a huge line of men that are hooked through the mouth and just take them uh, as captives, they would take them away. And then later, Babylon comes and takes over Assyria. And then later, the Persians come. This is where you get into the book of Esther and such. Uh, the Persians come and then take over Babylon. Now, I want to bring you into that. That's kind of what had happened. And so Jerusalem, the capital city of, of Judah, or for the Jews, had just been kind of ransacked and destroyed through all these battles because the people had just rebelled against God, and God was like, I'm done with you. You want to see how life is without me? I'll let you see how life is without me, right? And just boom, they get hit. And their beautiful city, the temple and the wall around it, are destroyed. Okay? That's the wall that you see before you here. This is just a small scale, okay? I didn't have time this morning to do the whole thing. So, Jerusalem is in ruins. Now, the Persian king, the Persian king, and, and I had this, listen, uh, I have this on my computer for you to see. And then I didn't get it to this computer for you to see. But you can go to the British Museum um, of, of History Today and see the, the great stone of Cyrus, the Persian king. And, and Cyrus, it, it was put on his heart to begin to let peoples go back. And I say peoples, I, I said that correctly. Go back to their homeland. Peoples that they had conquered go back to their homeland. And, and I will actually govern all of these lands through you. And so this is one of the first kind of humanitarian things that happened uh, through sort of a monarchy. Uh, really interesting, but it's very congruent with the Bible. The Bible says that the great king of Persia allowed the Hebrew people, the Israelite, the Jewish people, to begin to go home 
to their homeland. Now, they're still under his rule, but they can kind of go back and resettle in their lands and have territory because as they begin to take over vast territories, they realize, I've got to leave someone there to govern all these places. And who better than the people who know how to live in these places? Now, that's the secular version of the story. Biblically, we know that God put it on his heart to allow the people to go home because God is hearing the cries of his people. Now, the Israelite people come back to Judah in three waves. Waves. The first is under a man named Zerubbabel. If anyone is pregnant with a boy, think about it. Zerubbabel has a nice little ring to it. Uh, Zerubbabel is a priest, and he brings the people back to this post-apocalyptic world of Jerusalem. And those people come back, and the first thing they do is they rebuild the temple. Now, the temple used to be an impressive structure, and they rebuild it as something very small. And so it was nice to have, but people would actually weep as they see it because they know what the temple once was. But they built it, right? The second wave to come back uh, was under Ezra, and so Ezra came, and he was sort of a priest for everyone, and, and he led a lot of people to the Lord. We think Ezra might have written a lot of, of what is in the Old Testament. Very, very intelligent man. And then the third wave to come back is very interesting, is under a man named Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a go-getter. Nehemiah is, uh, let me tell you, Nehemiah was the governor. If you've never read the book, it's fascinating. If you ticked him off, he'd pull the hair out of your beard. Okay? A very godly man. So maybe there's something to that. But, uh, whew, man, have you ever done that? Okay. So, uh, Nehemiah brings the people back, the third wave, and the final wave that we really know of that's recorded, of people that come back to Jerusalem, and the temple is rebuilt. It's not impressive, but it's there. But they're trying to rebuild the city. A lot of people around them don't want it rebuilt because, believe this or not, there was like a battle over who gets control of Jerusalem. I know that that's weird to us. But there's a battle over who gets Jerusalem. And so the, the Jews come back and they're allowed to have their place back. But there's, there's, there's conflict. There's fighting over it. And so what do they need? We need a wall. So this is what Nehemiah comes back. This is what he sees. I'm going to bring you into his first night, okay? I'm in Nehemiah chapter something, verse 11. I didn't write what chapter this is. I think this is chapter 2, okay? 2, yes. Nehemiah 2.11. Uh, this is Nehemiah speaking. Everybody caught up so far? After I arrived in Jerusalem and had been there three days, I got up at night and I took a few men with me. I didn't tell anyone what my God had laid on my heart to do for Jerusalem. The only animal I took was the one I was riding. I went out at night through the valley gate toward the serpent's well and the dung gate, and I inspected the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken down and its gates that had been destroyed by fire. I went on to the fountain gate and to the king's pool, but, but, but farther down it became too narrow for my animal to go through. So I went up at night by the way of the valley and inspected the wall. Then heading back, I entered through the valley gate and returned. The officials did not know where I had gone or what I was doing, for I had not yet told the Jews, priests, nobles, officials, or the rest of those who would be doing the work. So I said to them, okay, so he goes and he inspects everything. He's brokenhearted over the shambles that his city is in. 
And he comes back and he says, You see the trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins and its gates have been burned. Come, let's rebuild Jerusalem's wall so that we will no longer be a disgrace. I told him how the gracious hand of my God had been on me and what the king had said to me. I didn't give you all the story of what the king did. for. This is a cool story. You need to go read Nehemiah. They said, let's start rebuilding. And their hands were strengthened to do this good work. And then they all go and live happily ever after, right? Because this is what happened to you. Your life at some point looked a little bit like this wall, and it happens to every one of us. Because the way I know that you've sinned before is I hold a mirror up in front of your face for about three minutes, and if you fog it up, you've sinned. And, and at some point, we have looked a little like this. And then we're like, you know what? I need to rebuild this. And then you just did, and you never sinned again, right? And nothing bad ever happened again, right? No. There's always some opposition. Verse 19. When Sambalot, the Horonite, Tobiah, the Ammonite official, and Geshem, the Arab, Heard about this, they mocked and despised us and said, What is this you are doing? Are you rebelling against the king? I gave them this reply. The God of heavens is the one who will grant us success. We, his servants, will start building, but you have no share, right, or historic claim in Jerusalem. Okay, they're going to go take their land back. They're going to go take their life back. They're going to go take their city back back they're going to go take their family back and they have eyes open because someone comes in with a new perspective and says i love that you have the temple rebuilt i love that you're going to church now but your family is a disaster your city is a disaster your people it is a disaster all the ones that you love are in absolute tragedy I'm, I'm proud for the temple, but have you looked at the walls in a little bit? Anyone who wants to overtake us can overtake us because we are not fortified. We have no protection. Our walls are broken down. Some of the people aren't doing their job. They're not in the right position. And so they go to rebuild, but then stinking Sandalot. Now, I don't know who he is, and I don't know that I'm saying his name right, but I think I've met him. <laughs> Have you met him? When you're like, all right, you know what? I'm done. Uh, let's do this. I got to start rebuilding. And then somebody's like, you just think that you started going to church. You're too good for us, and you don't even hang out with us anymore. You're not fun anymore. Sandalot. And how many of y'all, and, and I have so many friends in here who have done something that it impresses me. Just because it happens to more than one people, more than one person doesn't mean it's not impressive. Many of you have broken addiction. Oh my gosh, the strength that it took for you to do that. Holy cow, so impressive to me. And somebody's like, I liked you better when you were drinking. Sambalot. I just feel like you're judging me every time you see me now. Sambalot. I don't know why he sounds like that. <laughs> but just in my mind, it's a very, very, very nagadocious thing. That's not a word, but... 
Sandlot. You know, when we moved to, uh, when we moved to Ranger, uh, we were researching cities all across, all across Texas, and uh, one, of, one of our criteria uh, for cities as we moved here in uh, 2016 and, and planted this church, you guys were crazy enough to jump in, and man, you are kicking butt. But um, all, we, we looked all across Texas, and, and the thing is, we didn't want to go into a place where there was a, a large, uh, a, a large faction of people who were who were going to church who were serving the lord and uh so we came here and we did the math and it's like somewhere between five and eight percent and i'm just giving you stats okay this is not this is not meant to be negative at all uh but five and eight percent of ranger was going to church best that we could tell and almost all of those and almost all were senior citizens uh which kind of gives a shelf life to the church that's a really blunt terrible thing to say but i don't know a better way to say it and so uh so we walked in and we're like, man, this, this, city, uh, this city needs something. So we were able to find others who were doing the same thing. I'll, I'll mention that in a minute. Uh, but, but here's sort of a plan that I felt like the Lord gave me. Uh, many times, and I, d- please don't, don't start yelling out political things. But many times in our country, uh, a very small group of people can push something through on everyone. And so here's the question. What is that magic number? What percent do you have to reach until you get enough power to push everything off on everyone? And this is what, through, through a little bit of research, this is what I came up with, 16%. And so our goal was to walk into Ranger and say, we want 16% of Ranger serving the Lord. And then we think that the culture of this place, we think Jared will change the culture. No, absolutely not. Dude, I ain't Jesus and I don't want that job. We think that Jesus will change uh, the culture of, of this place. And so that was the goal, was we have, to, we have to sort of get to this point, let's get to 16%, and when you have 16% of the wall complete, then you have the wall complete enough to begin to fend away the enemy, to begin to repel attacks. So that's what we came up with. Now the great thing is, we've met, there, there are other ministers in this town, and they are my friends, and they're wonderful. And the cool thing is, 16% doesn't have to come through this one body. We're just, we're just one block. Uh, it's just in the kingdom of God. It's just the, the wall. Right? It's not about me. A wall's not about one block. One block is important, but it takes more than one. And so as, as they are working, they are growing. Be praying for the ministers uh, and be praying for these churches. These are our friends. These are not competition. Man, if we're into that, I am out. Uh, but, but this is what God has, has called us to do. And so we want to begin to build this city. We think that God is going to do something wonderful in Ranger and then pouring out from Ranger. But we have to build the wall. Now, I'm not going to read this for time's sake, but if you'll continue to read through chapter 3 and then some of chapter 4, here was the problem with the wall. There were sections of it that were built. And you know that in your life too, right? Listen, I have a couple places where I'm doing good, but there's a few places where there's gaps. In my family, there's a couple places that are doing good, but there's a few places that are doing gaps. In our church, in our city, in our county, and you can go so on and so forth. But there are a few places where there are some gaps in the wall. And so what they did was they said, okay, 
Let's go back. We'll get the stones. The stones are already there because the wall already existed before. And so the stones may be in a bit of shamble, but we can put them back into use. Okay, we'll get there in a minute. So they said, I'll tell you what. This family, take this section of the wall. You, you, you guys and, and ladies over here, you take this section of the wall. You people over here take this section of the wall. And as they begin to take sections of the wall, the work began to get done. And the wall wasn't high. We weren't able to, to take on a great military threat, but we were able to take on Sambalot. But the deal was everyone had to take their section. Listen, we think that God wants to do something big in Ranger. Well, you're the preacher. You're the one that does this. You're full-time, right? I don't know your work. I don't know your family. I don't know your neighbors. And also, your neighbors don't trust me. Well, you're a preacher. And that's why they don't trust me. Do you understand? If this wall is going to be built, it's us who will do it. One person couldn't build the wall. That was a very overwhelming task for anyone to do. And so they started going to families. And they were like, listen, I want you guys to start filling in the gaps, okay? I want you to start building this wall. We've got to bring up this section. This family come bring up this section. And you're the only one that can direct construction in your workplace and in your family. You have friends who don't know anyone else, but they know that there's gaps, they know that there's holes. And you, you've been working on your masonry skills. You've been working on building walls. Because God did it for you. And so I can show you how to do what God did for me. And so you are the ones who begin to fill in the gaps in the wall. One cannot do it. So your neighborhood, your workplace, your community, your children. Now let me stop there for just a moment. Well, my children are taken care of. But my children are pretty good, preacher. My children are grown now. Yeah. <laughs> but you have more children than that. You have a whole city full of children. Let me ask you, how were you brought up? And if I say, because you're in here today for some reason or another, you're in here today. You have some kind of view, some kind of status in your heart of how you feel about Jesus. And let me ask, who was the most influential person in that? Some of you will say your parents and some of you won't. And let me ask you, if I ask a kid that 30 years from now, whose name will they bring up? What about the children in this city whose parents aren't serving the Lord? Whose names will they bring up? Church, this is what we're supposed to do. 
When we moved to the city, I was driving through late one night. I saw children completely unattended running barefoot through town at like 11.30 p.m. And I began to weep and we said, let's do, let's, let's start something with youth. Because I have a policy. Don't start, don't start it until you can do it right, right? And I was like, we, we can't do it right. We don't even have really a church or a building or anything yet. We got to do something. And so we start to do it. And we just lost and lost and lost and lost. But we continued to try. And so one day we looked around and said, you know what, we've got to start even younger. And so you just heard the announcement about fourth, fifth, and sixth grade. So we teach these kids every Sunday all the way through. Many of you have left here to go pick up children during the city. Well, why didn't the church run a bus? You're the bus. <laughs> You're the bus. I don't really want to do a, a, okay, one bus goes out and picks up everybody. I want your neighbors to bring you because then you're involved, then you're connected. So many of you have done that. Many of you have walked in. I'm like, hey, I need you to grab somebody, put them in your car and go pick up a kid because I don't want you to be alone with a kid. And you're like, what are you talking about? Just please. <laughs> and so you've begun to do that. And so we teach children because maybe no one else will teach them or maybe someone's not in a healthy enough state to teach them. But if we're going to build the wall, we have a huge gap in children. I hope... I hope that you will see the value in what we're doing. Do y'all hear it? Listen right now. Listen. You hear that? Exactly. You know why you don't hear anything? Because they're on the other side of that wall. And the reason you don't hear that is because someone is volunteering. Someone is missing service today to pour themselves out into children. I'm going to tell you right now, we don't have enough. I need people to step up and begin to invest in children. Why? Because God called me to build the wall, and there's none more important than that right there. I'm telling you, when, when service is over, take that connection card. If you're at all, you say, you know what, I need a place to serve. We do, we do background checks on people. We always give somebody in there with you, and there's security cameras watching you, okay? So, so we, we do it safe. We, we have to do the background check. But I've, had, I've, I've heard that many times. Thank you. Man, I, I learned how to read the Bible because I had to prepare and teach, and I realized I didn't understand these things. And people have, have been awesome. They walk out, and they say, I was so blessed uh, to be able to do this. Some walk out crying and saying, I hate children but most of the time that doesn't happen I want I want us to see the value to see it's not just a thing that we do it's not just like well churches do stuff with kids and that's just what churches do no Christians build the wall because the city's torn down and if we want to bring the wall back if we want to fortify the city that's the ones that's the ones. I want you to see value in them. We need help. So we teach them here, and then they're kind of done by, you know, about the time they get into that third, fourth grade somewhere. And so fourth, fifth, and sixth, we're teaching them here. And then when they get into high school, we have a high school ministry that meets on Wednesdays. And when you get into college, we have a college ministry that meets on Tuesdays. And so from, from birth to older we are we are training up kids why because we have to this is what God called us to do is to build the city these are the ones who the, are, are are the future building blocks of the city no they are already a block on the city 
I'm going to tell you this. Some of you are here right now because a child invited you. Last week, we, in, uh, we baptized Paisley. I can tell you many adults who are here right now because Paisley invited you to church. Are we winning the battle with kids? Don't just see a kid. Don't just see a snotty nose. Man, that's our future. Okay, now, Sandblot. We've all got a Sandblot. Somebody's always in your life trying to bring you down. As soon as you try to step up, somebody's there to try to bring you down, right? Don't you know that? Hurt people hurt people. If you didn't know that, you must be 10 or younger. Hurt people, hurt people. You try to grow, you try to build, somebody tries to bring you down. Why? Because instead of having to build my wall to the heights that you build your wall, it's easier just to tear your wall down so mine never has to grow. Hurt people, hurt people. Easier to tear down than it is to build. So, Nehemiah chapter 4, 1 through 3. When Sambalot heard that we were rebuilding the wall, he became furious. He mocked the Jews before his colleagues and the powerful men of Samaria and said, what are these pathetic Jews doing? Can they restore it by themselves? Will they offer sacrifices? Will they ever finish it? Can they bring these burnt stones back to life from the mounds of rubble? Then Tobiah the Ammonite who was beside him said, Indeed, even if a fox climbed up what they are building, he would break it down. He, he would break down their stone wall. Sambalot, man. This is the reason that I'm preaching this today. There, there was a huge connection uh, when I read this story. And this is, this is the verse that got me. It said, can they bring these burnt stones back to life? Isn't that funny? Because that's what Satan tells us. Satan speaks in half-truths. And so he's like, look at these stones. You think you can build anything with this junk? And you're like, oh my gosh, he's right. That is a dirty stone. That is a burned stone. He's right. We're going to have a burned wall. All we're doing is rebuilding a burned wall. That's what the church is because it's built out of burnt people. Some of you have been burnt up and some of you have been burnt up. You know what I'm saying? That's what he uses. Let me ask you this. If I heat up a rock and put it on a wall, has it got less integrity? Can it not still build the wall? Can I not clean this dirty stone and continue to build the same wall? Of course it's dirty stones. Of course it's burnt stones. You understand the process that something has to do to become a rock? That's what the church is supposed to be made out of. You see new construction and there's like, oh, look at these, look at these rocks. There's just, there's just not enough variance. This is boring. This is plain. I need something. And, 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 and then you pull up, what do we call it? Nicotine. We got, these, we, we, we got that Austin stone wall, and it's all nice and white, and people are like, that's just too plain. And so we have to get a different kind of rock. 
We have to vary the color a little bit. And the church is a place with varied color. You're going to have different likes, different interests. You'll literally be different colors, different ethnicities, different everything. And it makes a beautiful wall. Being a burnt stone is what makes it an awesome wall. Isn't that funny that that's what he would bring? He's like, what are they going to do? Build a wall out of burnt stones? Yeah, what's wrong with the burnt stones? It's not making a, a wall that's less good. And Satan will try to tell you these things about yourself and against yourself. All he's trying to do is shame you. Do you know what Satan means? The name? Do you know what he means? Accuser. You know that Satan goes before God and accuses you. God, that's just a burnt stone. And God delights in using you. But he comes to you and accuses you, and you begin to believe it. You can't serve in a church. You can't teach children. You can't lead anyone. Don't you remember when you were 19? Let me ask you, how does that invalidate you? Because you didn't save yourself? No one saved themselves! Jesus had to do that. What is he telling you to invalidate you, to keep you out, to say, you know what, you can't serve? Because I'm going to tell you right now, we need more stones. We have got to build this wall. And the more everyone is disengaged, boy, that is an eclectic wall. The more everyone is disengaged, the longer it's going to take. When we get to 16%, we begin to push it through, and you start seeing a wall. Maybe it may not be as high, may not be as fortified as one day it will be, but we start seeing something. You start seeing Ranger being, go, going from a place that is torn down, spiritually, of course, I'm talking spiritually, to a place that looks impressive. Are burn stones useful? Let me tell you the problem. As you're building the wall, and as you have gaps in the wall, and you have enemies, you're going to be attacked while you're trying to fill the gaps. And Nehemiah had a plan for that, and it's awesome. And I'll tell you about it next week. But Sambalot is in your life. He's accusing you. He is working for the enemy. He doesn't want to see the wall built. He doesn't want to see Ranger restored. He doesn't want to see your family restored. The only thing that will make Sambalot happy is if your, law, if your wall remains crumbled. 
And God has built us to do something else. Listen, church, this is my cry to you this morning. Worship team, go ahead and come up. God is asking you to build the wall. In fact, I would say we call it the Great Commission. God has commissioned you to build the wall. Okay? You've been doing it. Look around. You've been doing it. I want to be the uh, opposition to Satan today. Would you look around real quick? You are already doing it. You are already winning. I know that he says you have a track record that doesn't win, but look around you. You're winning. Is this our third or fourth week in a row to have baptisms? Look around you. You're winning. You are bringing someone. You are getting to someone. And every time we have another baptism, we fill a gap. Better than that. We fill a gap. This is what God is using you to do. This isn't me. Okay? Uh, There's two people who are going to be baptized today. and, And this is not me. This is not Dusty. This is you. And they can tell you who invited them to this place and who loved them into this place. But these are stones being laid on the wall that I had no connection with. I didn't know these people until they came here. I had no connection with. This is you building the wall. God is calling you to build your family up, to build your community up. And I want you to understand that not only you can win, you will win. Sambalot had a lot of accurate accusations, but not one of them mattered because God had blessed the effort. So, who's going first today? All right. Uh, If you'll turn and see. Uh, Son, hand me that microphone right there. All right. You have... Uh, you have a family here. Well, you actually have family here, but you have family here, okay? Uh, so I want to ask Allie in front of everyone today. Uh, Allie, we're, we're going to hold you under. And she said, please, no more than three seconds. So Jesus, three days, you're going to be three seconds, okay? So you're going to picture your death. That means that the Allie who's in control of Allie is dead and gone. The alley where Jesus is in control is alive. That's a big deal. Okay? You're going to have some sambalots in your life that says, Oh, you got baptized, but you still mess up. Right? Okay. God is calling you to do something great with your life. To do that, you've got to listen to Him, even when you don't want to. So I'm asking you in front of your family, do you accept Jesus as both your Lord, boss, and Savior? Yes, sir. Okay, awesome. You guys hear that? Go ahead and step in here. Go ahead and sit down right here. Now, I'm going to hold this and you hold your nose. All right. It's my honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in death. 
raised to walk in newness of life in Jesus Christ. Good job, baby. Good job. Thank you. Awesome. Let's stay there. We're not in yet. You're not off the hook that easy. Okay. Same thing. Priscilla, you have a wall to build. And you're doing it. She's doing it. She's serving the Lord. And uh, you know a tree by its fruit. And she's producing godly fruit. So um, I want to ask you in front of your family. You're going to be buried today. Symbolically, of course. For three seconds, don't freak out. And when you come back, you're no longer in charge of you. This puts a target on your back. Allie, this puts a target on your back. Do you accept Jesus as, as Lord? Even if I don't want what He wants, I'll do what He wants. Do you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? I do. Okay, awesome. You guys hear that? Go ahead. <laughs> Sit in here, please. Take a seat. A seat seat. Yes. Okay. All right. So now we're, we're dipping the whole thing. So get those hands down. Okay, girl. We ain't, we ain't doing part of this. Okay. All right. It's my honor to baptize you, my sister, in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, buried with him in death. Raised to walk in newness. Jesus, our Lord. Be careful. Thank you. Family and everyone who showed up to watch them be baptized, thank you for supporting them today. Hey, when service is over, which is just after this, this song right here, baskets are going to come up. Uh, so as a, as a Christian, like tithing offering, that's part of how we worship. But also, if you have a connection card, if there's something you would like for us to pray with you about, if there's something you would like the church to know, you have any questions, please Place that in the basket uh, when it comes up. Right on your connection card. Put it in there. And uh, we, would love to, um, we would love to serve you, pray for you, get with you. Better yet, better than the connection card. When service is over, uh, we will be up here at front. We have some folks who are up here to pray with you. Everybody who, uh, who you, know, you know who you are, prayer team, I've asked to be here in, in the past. Would you just come up here, make yourself available. When service is over, we would love to pray with you. So I think that's what I have. Dusty? Dusty?